Hi, it's Robin LaRose. Today's guest, he's a blues rock legend who has fronted three successful rock bands over the past 58 years, from the hard rock and blues of Free in 1968 to the supergroup Bad Company, with drummer Simon Kirk, ex-King Crimson bassist Bob Burrell, and Mott the Hoople guitarist Mick Ralphs in the mid-70s. His collaboration with Jimmy Page for The Firm in the mid-80s. And he spent four years touring and recording with Queen in the early 2000s. His voice has been indelibly stamped into the psyche of rock legend. Rolling Stone magazine named him one of the 100 greatest singers of all time. He's been cited by dozens of bands as a major influence. Black Crows, Guns N' Roses, John Mellencamp calls him the best rock singer ever. He's released over 30 albums in his career and sold over 90 million copies of those albums. His latest and first solo album of new songs in 24 years was just released. It's called Midnight Rose, and very happy to have sat down to talk with him about it. The legendary Paul Rogers. Welcome to Hidden Tracks with Robin LaRose, the little heard stories behind the music, the artists, and their work. Legendary Paul Rogers. Hello, Robin. How are you? I am good. How are you? Ah, uh, so nice to hear your voice, man. It's been so long. It has, you know, um, a long while. And you've been incredibly busy since we uh, last talked, even more so the last year. Well, yes, yes. I've been promising to release an album for 20 years or so. <laughs> and uh, actually, the last time we spoke to you, Robin, was probably, which I talked about it. So here it is. It only, it's only taken 24 years, but um, what do you think so far? 24 years, Midnight Rose. I love it. Great. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Is there any particular song that maybe stands out for you? You know, I'd have to say almost melting. Oh, good man. Wow. Um, this is on Sun Records. Yes. The legendary. How about that, hey? No kidding. The legendary Sun Records. Sam Phillips yeah. started this, recorded the first songs of uh, Elvis, Johnny Cash, Roy Orbison, so many yeah, others. Yeah, Roy Orbison, yeah. Did you, ever, did you ever own an Elvis record while growing up in uh, Middlesbrough? I had, a son, I had an Elvis record that uh, before I even was anywhere close to the business, you know, we had this, uh, I think it was, you know, a, a, an original vinyl record. Uh, my friend, when I was, we were probably about four or five, oh we God. put this record on and, it, uh, you know, I think it was, well, since my baby left me, bum, bum. I think it was that one because it was such a long time ago, but I was astounded at the clarity of the recording, you know, because uh, I... I'd never played a record before. We put it on. We went in the, uh, put the needle down, you know, very nervously because it was his older brother's whole gear thing. So <laughs> we had to be very careful what we did. Yeah. And it went, when it came on, it was like, wow, I thought, that's amazing. <laughs> so, I mean, that might have been some kind of turning point, but it was, for, uh, it was a long time after that I actually got into music, you know. How did the Sun Records deal happen? Well, um, I had some business with, uh, you know, in a conversation with uh, the, the music conglomerate Primary Wave, who owns Sun Records nowadays. Yeah. And, and they, what they, when they asked me what I was doing, I said, that, well, you know, I'm just in the studio working on some new tracks. And I didn't make a big thing of it. But they said, well, Sun Records would be interested in those tracks. 
and uh, let us know when you get through. So I did, and it was it's amazing. They've been very supportive. Wow. It sort of all happened together, funnily enough. I mean, it was very coincidental. I mean, the, it's the star alignment or something that's <laughs> up there. Yeah. You know, because what happened was we all came to a crashing halt with COVID, and I was stuck at home yeah. with my acoustic guitar, noodling around, and I suddenly thought, well... You know, I've got all these songs. Why don't I just work them up and see where that takes me? So, you know, I did that just to pass the time, basically. And I, I, I worked on these songs. And then I suddenly, then I thought, well, you know, maybe I should go in the studio uh, and see, see what happened. Get four guys in, you know, bass, drums and guitar and myself and see what happens. And I did. Uh, the core band was bassist Todd Ronning yeah. from Bad Company mm-hmm. uh, and my solo band. <clears throat> Rick Fedick, uh, he's bass. And Rick Fedick was on drums, my solo band drummer, and guitarist Ray Roper from Canadian band called Stonebolt. Yeah. Well, he, he lives around the corner from where I am out in uh, BC there. Right. And he has a, st- a studio in his house, all Canadian boys, and he uh, also plays great guitar. So I thought, well, let's get together. I called him, actually. I said, can we get together in your studio and, you know, see what happens? And he was, like, up for it, and so we did. (laughs) How how convenient just to have that around the corner. Well, it was really, yeah, it was magical, actually, that that it all came together so well like that, yeah. Yeah. The players that you just mentioned... uh... Oh, yeah, well, we have a load of people, a load of great players on the album. We've got uh, Chuck Lavelle, the Stones and the Album Brothers, on, on two tracks, keyboards. We've got, I'll give you a list here, Jimmy Mattingly from Garth Brooks Band, who played violin and viola on a couple of the tracks. Yes, and we've got Keith Scott from, who was great, from uh, Brian Adams Band. Yeah. And I can I can see why Brian snapped him up all those years ago, because he's <laughs> such a great guitar player. No kidding. And we've got, um, uh, from Colin James Band, uh, Johnny Fierra played a little sax on one. Leslie Page, who I met and we met uh, touring with Joe Walsh in Bad Company last right. year. And she's, she's one of his backing singers. She's a beautiful voice. It's almost like really it's, it's kind of a duo that we do. And she's toured with Ringo, I say, with Ringo and Joe Walsh. Yeah, yeah. so she's great. Amazing collection of people. Wow. Uh-huh. Oh, and I have to mention, I've just got a note here. I have to mention, of course, uh, Vancouver keyboardist Chris Gestrin who was a graduate of Berkeley College of Music, oh. his, his band Soulstream, uh, he, goes by, uh, he has recorded and played with Brian Adams, Jeff Healy, Randy Bachman, Nickelback, and Jim Burns. Wow. So, I mean, all of us Canadian guys, you know, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we've got the great, amazing Bob Rock producing uh, with Cynthia, my darling wife. Yeah, I noticed and, that. And Randy saw mixing. Randy was a powerhouse of ideas and, uh, and mixing, you know, finesse. He was just so great. How does uh, this work uh, in the studio with those eight songs on Midnight Rose? How different of a... A process uh, since your last solo album and are going back to uh, the days of free and bad company um, how different of a process putting this together this time was it easier uh, a lot more fun comfortable well it was a lot of hard work I'll tell you but it was it, at the same time that we were getting somewhere so it, it always felt good and uh, we put the bed tracks down in uh, Ray's studio yeah that, that was just the four of us in the studio hammering away and put all these tracks down we put a lot more tracks down than we actually used 
Um, but we selected this eight as being, you know, quite, quite promising, as it were. Yeah. And and then we took the whole thing to uh, to Vancouver and Bob Rock and uh, Brian Adams studio and uh, and polished it up. And we put the extra musicians on there. Yeah. Eight songs. Can we talk a little mm. bit about the songs? Sure. Um, the first one that starts off the album, Coming Home. Where's home for you? Well, mm, coming home. You see, the thing about coming home is uh, we had all, you know, all of the armies of all of the countries, all the, um, you know, uh, we had just pulled out of Afghanistan at that point, And right. it was really focused towards all of those people. And really, I'm thinking of all the first responders, you know, um, the soldiers, the firemen, the, uh, well, particularly firemen now in BC. I mean, yeah. those guys fly the planes and, and all that stuff that's going on. It's oh my God. crazy, isn't it? It is. And, uh, and the medical responders, you know, all the people that are first, first in line to help society and they keep us safe. Right. So it was kind of to them and hopefully they come home safely. Right. Yeah. A second track, Photo Shooter, nice slide guitar, gets us into the song, which is uh, about, well, I guess photographers in general, paparazzi, news photographers. Uh, you know, originally I was thinking that it might be good for as a theme song mm -hmm. for a TV show is what I was thinking. And this is a hero, I guess he's a hero, mm -hmm. that is in the media and um, he, you can put him in any situation. It might be fashion, uh, you know, a crime of passion, or it might be a war zone or wherever the action is. Anything that draws a crowd, like draws the troubleshooter, that's where the news guy wants to be. And so you could put him in that position and build a story around that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that was my original idea. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, Midnight Rose, the title track. Uh, who or what is the Midnight Rose? Well, let me see. The Midnight Rose really is, well, there's a number of, number of aspects to this song. Um, I, I, I would tune the guitar sometimes to a complete chord, you know, you, if you just, it, like an E major, yeah. you just strum it and there's an E major. So you can bar everywhere up there. Musicians will know this. And the, on the 12th fret and the 7th fret, I think, you've got a, 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 a harmonic E chord, uh -huh. but it's, it's harmonic. It's very, it's very, like, uh, you know, high and sweet. And then you've got another one on the B chord. So really this song was, was I trying to write a song with just using those two chords. And that's what I did, really. And it's, it's actually about, um, about all the lonely people in the world who, if they had a better environment and love in their life, would flourish and flower. And basically, it's a love song like, along those lines. Well, I love how it starts. Mandolin. Yeah. Who's, who's, yeah, playing, the man yeah, yeah. who's playing the mandolin? Uh, I think that's Ray. Okay. Yeah. A, a bit of violin, uh, some piano, rest of the band, backup singers, slide guitars. Uh, there's hand claps. In the, it's a beautiful yeah. song, combination of everything in there. Well, the hand claps are especially nice. I think they're very big, very large. We've got a whole, we've got about everybody in the building got in the big studio and all clapped together. <laughs> uh, and that's Bob Rock's idea. Uh, Bob Rock's idea. It was a very good uh, a very good dynamic it gave to it. It gave it like lots of space. Yeah. 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 Nice, nice energy. Um, yes. The first song that came out uh, from Midnight Rose, uh, track four, Living It Up, uh, uh, left it all in Steel Town, part of the lyric there, Middlesbrough, North York. Yes. That's, yeah. where, that's where you grew up. Well, it is. It's very much a Steel Town. And I think the people who, you know, my yeah. folks at home will appreciate uh, my recognition of it because the steel has been there. The steel town, the steel works 
uh, cargo fleet, Dom and Long, yeah. uh, steel and chemicals and shipbuilding, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's been there for a hundred years or more, you know. Right. How, yeah. how was growing up there for you? Well, you know, uh, it was great. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you so you grow up, you get into music, you form a band, several bands. Uh, then yeah, you, then yeah. You had... Well, you know, music was my saving, my savior in many ways. I bet. Because it really, because of music, I I I found a way out of all the industry and chemicals and shipping and all of that that I was born into. Basically, that was my. That's where they would. Sent me, you know, as soon as I left school, that's where you go. In fact, I, I went to look, uh, just kind of audition or whatever you do to work at it. And they offered me a place there as a fitter or something. But uh -huh. I just said, nah. I, I was doing, um, we had a band called the Roadrunners. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I was doing music then by that time. And I said, nah, I don't think so. Because my then manager at that time, who was the older brother of one of the guitar players, <laughs> long story short. Yeah. Uh, he said, you know, if you get a job out there you won't really be able to do these shows that we're doing because you 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 know it's, it's a big bus drive out to the works and a bus drive back so you you'll probably won't be able to do it and i thought about that and i thought well you know what actually i don't want to be out there i want to be in town so i'm handy as it were to jump in a van and go do gigs and that's that's what i did it was that another turning point in my life because it would have taken a completely different direction if i'd gone into the works as we all say you know no kidding and really without those guys i would not have gone down to london because to go down there on your own and try to like make it inverted commas was an impossibility that you didn't even consider but with the four guys uh we we fought and fought with each other and all the rest of it and struggled and argued but yeah. we were a unit and we looked looked out for each other so that was the start of it but eventually it got too much and i was i found myself in london on my own, and then I joined a. You, what you did in those days, you looked in the melody make for want ads or things like that. It would say, you know, band looking for singer, singer looking for band. Yeah. And I got together with these guys, and we were playing blues. There was, again, I think there was four of us. Maybe there was. No, there was four of us. Uh, I can't even remember their names now. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, and we um, we were playing in a blues in a blues club, and Paul Kossoff came into the club. Yeah. And he said, you know, I've got a guitar in the car. I'd like to jam. And so I got him up on stage. We jammed, and I said to him, "We got a formal band, man. You know." Uh, and he said, "Well, there's a uh, we're looking for a singer with our band." And I said, "No, no, I don't want to join an existing band. I want to form a new band along the lines of Cream, Jimi Hendrix, and playing, you know, blues." Yeah. And um, he actually said, "Well, the drummer with our band is is only just joined, and I think I can get him to." come to an audition at least so that was Simon Kirk so there was three of us <laughs> and then <laughs> there was a there was a pub that uh, I saw Freddie King there the upstairs room of, of a pub in Finsbury Park called the Nags Head yeah. and Paul Kossoff found a little card in there that said bass player ex John Mayle John Mayle's Blues Breakers mm -hmm. looking for band so it was Andy Fraser so he called, we called him up and then we all met at the Nags Head for a rehearsal. There was four of us. And when we entered the room, we were four different guys, four separate guys, you know. Mm -hmm. When we left that room, though, we were a band. And that's why, you know, I always thank the blues in many ways, because we could we could say, hey, do you know, Spoonful, hey, do you know, you know, whatever song it was, every, everybody could just join in. Mm -hmm. And that was the beauty of, of blues. And so 
we were playing there. We were all teenagers, actually, just 17. I was 17. I think Andy was about 15, you know. Holy. So our average age was, we were kids. Uh, oh, yes, Alexis Corner was a friend of Andy's, and he walked in. In the, at the end of the, a song called Moonshine, which was a, a new song we were just trying that Koss and I had written, he walked in at the end of that. He goes, I sit here alone and cry. He walked in right there. <laughs> and uh, we, we stopped and took a break and sat around, you know, having a tea or whatever. And um, Alexis said, well, you, you guys are definitely a band now. All you need is a name. And so we sat around thinking about this for a second or two. Yeah. And... Um, and uh, he said, well, if it helps you, I used to have a band with Cyril Davis, yeah. who was a harmonic player, blues guy, called Free At Last. I don't know if that helps you. And then there was a oh. silence. And we just went, well, it's got to be free, hasn't it? That's, <laughs> that's what our name is. So that's how free was actually born, I guess. That's, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> wow. In the song Living It Up, you, you uh, well, it's kind of an ode to uh, the blues and Memphis. There's references. Yeah, and really, to, uh, so it's, it's ode to America, and all, really, basically, because that's the music we follow. There's blues, jazz. Uh, soul, of course, rock and roll. Yeah, you know, not forgetting. Yeah, and and uh, and everything that's come out of, of of America musically like that has gone out into the world and done nothing but good. It's really been it's a unifying force, and I really respect it awesomely. So I wanted to play play tribute to that. You know, America's taken a lot of knocks internally and externally and all that. So I just wanted some uh, a really positive message. You yeah, know? Um, Memphis, Aretha, Ray Charles. Yeah, I love how you referenced uh, you know living it up in America and living it up in the Canada supernatural <laughs> yeah. place. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, thanks. So, yeah, Canada too. I mean, Canada's been very good to me. You know, I've I'm found a, a wonderful wife here that's turned out to be a fabulous producer as well. No kidding. <laughs> How was that having Cynthia help produce the album? Well, she was awesome, and she is awesome. She, she gets more and more awesome as the time goes by. <laughs> when I met her, she's always very knowledgeable about music. I was always like, you know that song from way back then? Wow. <laughs> you know, she, she's quite amazing. So when... I was bringing tracks home and uh, from the, the, the bed tracks from Ray's place, you know. Mm -hmm. She would listen and she'd criticize and say, you know, make points. I'd think, wow, she really knows what she's talking about. And I'd go in the studio next day and try it. It was working. And so, so she began to produce. And when we went to, uh, you know, to Brian Adam, Adam's studio with Bob Rock and everything, yeah. she, was, she was part of the team. She was a part of the production team. And Bob Rock was really great with it. And and so was Randy Stove. They took instruction. <laughs> That's what you do, right? So anyway, it was a really good team all all around. You know. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tr track five, "Dance in the Sun." Um, who's doing the acoustic guitar on the intro to that song? Remember? Oh, that's that's a, a guy from around the corner. The acoustic guitar on uh, "Dance in the Sun." Yeah. Rob Dewar is a guy that lives around the corner from us okay. uh, on a ranch by a river. Nice. And, uh, you know, he's a lovely guy. And Cynthia said to him, you know, I want you to think outside the box on this one. In fact, there's no box. In fact, there's no box. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what he did, and it's just great. Wow. Hey, who, who's, who's laughing in that song? Oh, who's laughing in the Dance in the Sun? That's our grandchildren. Ah, yeah. It's a joyful yeah, song. I was, yeah, I, I love children's laughter. There's three of them. Uh, there's uh, Sonny, Bodhi, and Uma. 
Yeah. That's a cool. Um, track seven, Highway Robber. Um, this is the longest song on the album, five minutes, five seconds, uh, and a reference uh, in the lyrics there to the desert. You spend a lot of time in the desert or a desert driving around? Yeah, we do. We spend a lot of, we spend our winters, we, we're snowbirds, I have to admit, you know, that's how old I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we go, we fly down to Palm Springs in the winter. We have been doing, we'll get, we honestly start thinking we're getting too much sun now because when we, when we go there, it's sunny, and when we come back, it's sunny. But we're like, give me some winter. You know? I know. Oh, it'll so come. It'll come. We might we might stop doing that and, and <laughs> experience a bit more of the skiing and that sort of thing here. You know. Have you have you ever driven, uh, say, uh, Route sixty six or uh, what is this, the loneliest highway in America, Route fifty? Oh, I haven't driven the the, the loneliest highway in America. Yeah, wow, yeah. that's the song title it, right there. It goes right across from one coast to the next coast. It's really long. Wow, where have I been? I haven't heard of that. <laughs> Route number 50. Check it out. Right, I will check it out. Okay. And it's really lonely, is it? That's what they say. Yeah, <laughs> Lord mercy. The last track on the album, Melting, as I was mentioning off the top here. Uh, yeah. Some twangy guitar. It's kind of bluesy country, uh, swampy, uh, a slow building before it just explodes. Uh, yeah. Um, what or, or, or who is melting? Well, I sort of, you know, it's funny. I, I sit with a guitar and I came, I played acoustic on that. That's me on the, mm -hmm. and I, um, I sort of just channel somebody from somewhere. I think, you know, and I just think of, uh, I, I actually picture an early settler, possibly an outlaw on the run, with lots of wide open spaces, and that's where I go with that. I did this, did the same thing that I did with Bad Company when I wrote that song. I wrote that song in a cottage in England mm. <laughs> on a piano wow. and in the heart of the country. But I, I wasn't there. I was somewhere else in my mind. You know, this um, kind of lawlessness uh, that we may never see again. You know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, the building of you know so wild and free out there at that point. No kidding. Well, yeah. Um, uh, there's reference in the lyrics to uh, the Holy Virgin. There's a photo on the cover yeah. of uh, yeah. the Virgin Mary. Um, yeah, that's kind of coincidental. But, but um, you see, uh, the artwork was done again by Cynthia, my darling wife. And she's done a fantastic job. You'll see it when you see it. Yeah. Uh, but that's uh, it's all things that are personal to myself. And that is a picture, that very picture that is, was in my childhood home all my life. That I, That's all I remember it. Uh, I remember. I remember it. Um, there are two angels either side of it, actually. Uh -huh. And I remember once asking my father, "Which one's the good one and which one's the bad one?" And he said, "What?" <laughs> because in the cartoons and everything, when you see a good, there's a there's a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other, and the devil is saying, "You got to do bad. You got to do bad." <laughs> and there's angels saying, "You got to do good. You got to do good." And he said, no, they're both good angels, actually. <laughs> anyway, so... That's funny. Um, and that's, that's the story of that, yeah. So I, I, when, my, when my mother passed away, that came to me, and I said, well, I'll take that, you know, you guys, and that nobody else actually wanted that. The Virgin Mary is, means a lot to me. She's very, uh, a very powerful force of good, I do believe. Right, right. Well, what, what about the, the... There's a note from Elvis... 
Well, you know, let me see. What? Oh, can I tell this in a short way? Yeah, that's the story. Um, I, I remember at, um, Peter Grant saying to me, we're going to see Elvis next week. You want to come? <laughs> he said it like that. And I said, well, Peter, I've got an interview and I'm going to be up in the, uh, I'm going to be out there anyway. So no, don't worry about me. <laughs> so when I got there, we sat up in the bleachers in the nosebleeds, right? Yeah. Elvis is this little thing on stage. Wow. And I saw my manager and all the other guys sitting at the front of, front of the stage, <laughs> right in front of Elvis. I went, oh, no, that's what he meant. That's where he was inviting me. But anyway, my uh, tour manager went backstage to Elvis, right, to yeah. meet Elvis. And I ran down there to try and get back. And the security said, no, sorry. I know, you know, we can't, can't let anybody back. It's strict instructions. We're very sorry, but no one could come back at this point. So... I didn't get back. So anyway, um, my tour manager brought me an Elvis autograph, and he had written to Paul, uh, take time to live, Elvis Presley. And I was like, wow, what does he mean? And he said, I don't know what he means, you know. And he died some months later. Um, So, you know, so now I know what he meant. And uh, it was a very powerful message from one singer, I guess, to another. Yeah. Not that he knew who I was particularly, but it was like that, you know. And it was a very nice message from Elvis Presley, and I never forgot it, but I did lose it. It was when I, when I moved house uh, in London one time, it disappeared, shall we say. <laughs> wow. It's a lovely message, though, isn't it? You know, sure and is. It's, a bit, it, it's true for everybody. We should all take some time to live. Yeah. You know? and, yeah. I, and I think you are, absolutely. Uh, that's right. Yeah. We're dancing in the sun right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations again, Paul Rogers. Uh, thank you, Robin. The new album, Midnight Roses, it's available as of Friday, September 22nd, uh, wherever you get your music. Um, it's available uh, everywhere, right? Is it going to be out on vinyl? It is. Ooh. Yes, indeed. Ah, excellent. I know. And uh, to see the Sun Records label and logo on, on a vinyl album and my name there no kidding. is beyond incredible, that, I tell you. That's absolutely amazing. I hope it's a, a fantastic success. I love it. Absolutely love it. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you very much. for. Thanks for your support over the years as well. You've been great, my friend. Absolutely. And I hope to see you soon. Yeah, I would love to. Thanks, Robin. You've been listening to the Hidden Tracks podcast with Robin LaRose. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere you find your podcasts.